Thanks so much again, Pastor Rick and Pastor Debbie, for having me here. Uh, this is a great church. You guys have a great church. And yeah, you can give yourselves a round of applause. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to bring the word. And whenever I get an opportunity to bring the word in America, I try to make the message for America. Now, any message from the word of God is for you guys, but I try to tailor it for where I am at. And let me just say up front, if you are easily offended, you chose the wrong Sunday to come to church. If you had to choose another Sunday, choose next week. Don't choose this week. You're too late. <laughs> My father was the first person in the long line, uh, in this long line of forefathers to give his heart to Christ. They were all Hindus. As far as they can look back and track, they were all Hindus. And I'm so grateful for what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, but I'm also grateful for a missionary from West Virginia. Imagine someone from West Virginia uh, preaching the gospel, and my father responding in Trinidad. I don't know much about West Virginia. I don't think you know much about West Virginia. I don't think anyone knows much about West Virginia. All I know about West Virginia is country roads. Lead me home. Can I have the worship team back up on stage? To <laughs> I don't have the accent to pull that song off. I think that guy in the cowboy hat might have a better accent than me. <laughs> but it's amazing that my father gave his heart to Christ because someone took the time from the U.S. Uh, that testimony is such a powerful testimony. Someone took the time from the U.S., and I am telling you, there are a lot of people that do a lot of things for Jesus Christ, a lot of countries, but in my lifetime, I have seen America do more than any other country for the gospel of Jesus Christ in my lifetime. At least that is my observation. I don't know what the story will be for someone else. And I'm here to tell you guys something. America, because you guys do so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the foundation uh, of Jesus in this land, I want to tell you guys something. You became public enemy number one to the devil himself. There are some churches, they don't even like entertaining that word, the devil. I'm here to tell you, you have an enemy. You have an enemy. The devil is out there targeting anyone who can, he can steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, and let me tell you guys something. You are in the focal point of the enemy's plans. There's a plan for America to shut America up about this Jesus thing you guys speak about. You do too much for the gospel. There's a plan to keep America quiet. I'm here to tell you guys something. America is being deceived. 
When I'm driving on your roads, and I love driving all through America, and when I'm taking that drive 55 north from Memphis, making my way up to Cape Girardeau, I see these billboards on your highway that I don't agree with. Someone is telling America that it's okay to do certain things that the Bible clearly says it's not okay. And if you sense a certain harshness in my tone, it's because I am angry. I'm angry that, I, uh, that the devil is gaining so much ground in this country. It's not funny anymore. It's time for the church to stand up and say, listen, we are the church. Are we going to fight this enemy? We know who our enemy is, and we know how we're going to attack it, and it's time to start acting like the church. The time for saying you're the church is over. And I'm going to talk about that word called deception. It's a very weighted word. It's a word that we can all talk about and have a point of view. But let me tell you what the definition of deception is. Deception is when someone deliberately persuades someone else that something that is true is actually false. Or when someone deliberately persuades someone else to think that the false thing or what is not true is actually true. So when deception takes place, three things, you need three things to make deception happen. One, you need a deceiver. You need a victim of deception. And three, you need a method. The way you're going to carry out your, your act of deception. Have you ever gotten one of those emails that stated that you just won a bunch of money, millions of dollars, and all you have to do to claim this money is send some processing fees our way, and we're going to make sure that money ends up in your bank account somewhere or the other. Have you ever gotten that email? It's a plan of deception. There's someone trying to make you the victim, and that email is just their method. And I saw someone, uh, someone bought my car for me about six years ago. When I, when I sold my car, my car was doing about 100,000 miles. And then I saw it for sale six years later, and the car was doing 40,000 miles. And I thought to myself, I'm ready to buy that car back. <laughs> but what was happening was someone was being deceptive. And they had a method, and they're out trying to deceive someone. Now, here's the really dangerous thing about deception. When deception takes place, the person being deceived has no idea it's taking place. That's the danger of deception. And another thing to note about deception is that the person doing the deceiving, he actually knows the truth. It's really dangerous business. And I'm here to tell you guys something. America is being deceived. Now, if the person being deceived has no idea they're being deceived, then how do we guard ourselves from deception? And I'm here to tell you the only way to guard yourself from deception is to be in the Word of God. You see... The Bible will tell you as it is. 
Not how you want to hear it or how you think you should hear it or what is acceptable to the culture. The Bible is going to state it as it is and now it's up to you to submit yourself to what the Word of God says. And if you are in submission to God's word, that is the only way to guard yourself from deception. If you are not in God's word, you just count down the days, you are going to be deceived. Now, if deception is taking the truth and hiding it, or making you think that the truth is wrong, or making you think what's wrong is true, then we need to talk about what is the truth. What is the truth and who decides what is the truth? And I'm here to ask you, can man decide what is truth? Here's the thing when you leave it up to men. Men will debate on every single issue. There are some men, and when I say men, I'm talking about mankind now. Uh, the man will say to someone that you can choose your own gender. And I'm here to tell you, this, this Caribbean guy is here to tell you, American, that's crazy talk. Now, I don't know what they're preaching in other churches or what, but I think this church should always stand for what the Word of God says. Some people will tell you you can choose your own gender. Some other people will tell you you cannot. And I'm here to tell you they both cannot be right. Here are the options. It's either one is right, the other is wrong, or they're both wrong. But I can guarantee you, if you have opposing views on something, you both cannot be right. And there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. That's how it works. A truth will always be the truth, and guess what? There's nothing you could do about it. Nothing. Uh, can the government decide for us what is truth? The government uh, put laws in place, and laws are supposed to be absolute, and no one is above the law. But then that same government or a government in the future would come and say, hold up, that law was good for that time, but now we have to amend these laws. Uh, now that law cannot work now. And I'm here to tell you that's not how truth works. If truth was truth a thousand years ago, it's going to be truth today. There are certain laws in my country. They are not laws in your country. And I'm here to tell you that's not how truth works. Truth will be the truth wherever the truth goes. The truth is the truth in America, in Trinidad, in Israel, in Iran, wherever you go. If the truth is the truth, it's the truth. It does not change for you. You have to change for the truth. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible is the truth. You see, there was a man called Jesus, and he made a claim. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I read in the Bible where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And the Word was flesh, and the Word was God, and the Word and flesh, they're both together. And the flesh said, I am the truth. So I'm here to tell you, the Word of God is the truth. 
And if there's anyone you do not believe that the Bible is the truth, I'm here to tell you, you are already deceived. And if you're thinking, what's going on with this guy? Why is he so upset? What's happening? If you don't like what you're hearing, you need to remind yourself that you guys brought the word of God to me and my family, and I'm just bringing it back to you. So if you're upset, get upset with yourself. And if you're angry with me, you don't know where I'm live, I live, and I'm out of here tomorrow, you're not going to find me. You take it up with that guy over there. <laughs> but I'm going to say it as I'm going to say it. It's not my words, it's the word of God. It is not the preacher who is quick and powerful. It is the word of God that is quick and powerful. Amen? All through the Bible, you're going to see uh, certain words uh, pop up, certain phrases that is repeated a lot of times. One of those phrases uh, is this, verily, verily, I say unto you. Have you ever seen that in the Bible? When you see verily, verily, I say unto you, what's happening is it's a statement before they say something else. And what they're saying is truthfully, truthfully, I want to tell you something. And what you're going to see, a statement you may see in the Bible that will come up a few times is, do not let your heart be troubled, which means do not worry. In, in the Caribbean, we say everything is okay. Everything is iry. That's what we say. Uh, the Bible says, do not let your heart be troubled. Another phrase I see all through the Bible is, do not be deceived. Have you ever seen that in the Bible? When you see do not be deceived, what's going to follow is something or a few things that the devil or the world is going to tell you there's nothing wrong with it. But the Bible says there's something absolutely wrong with it. Remember, deception is taking what is false, making you think that it's true, or taking what is true, making you think that it's false. It's a deliberate act. So when you say, do not be deceived, you need to know how to go about what's going to be said afterwards. Can I go into the scripture and show you a couple of things that the Bible warns us that we should not be deceived by? I'm going to start off very soft. James 1.26. James 1.26. It says this, uh, if anyone among you thinks he is religious but cannot control his tongue, he deceives his own heart. His religion is useless. Listen, the Bible says no man can control their tongue. It's a little spark that will set a forest ablaze. Uh, the only way to control your tongue, that's something you need help from the Holy Spirit. And if you think it's okay to come in church and sing praises and then go out there and condemn with your mouth, you are mistaken. You are mistaken. But I didn't come here to talk about that. That's another message. Matthew 24, verse 5. Matthew 24, verse 5. My version says, Do not be deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will deceive many. 
People are going to come and say they are of Christ, they are the Christ. People are going to, there are a lot of false teachers are going to come, a lot of false preachers. The Bible gave a mandate to pastors to feed the sheep. And now we have a lot of pastors fleecing the sheep. I'm here to tell you, we need to be uh, conscious that that happens. And I thank God for the man and woman of God that God has raised up in this house for you at this time. I think you can give them a round of applause. I didn't even come here to talk about that. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. This is the time you, you can leave if you're easily offended. Now is the time. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. There's a mass deception going around in my country, in Trinidad. There's, a, there's deception taking place that all you have to do to enter the kingdom of God is die. It's automatic when you die. And I'm here to remind us that the Bible says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm here to remind you guys that Jesus died for a reason. Jesus died for our sins. He sacrificed his life for a reason. Now here comes the words, do not be deceived. Remember I told you when you see do not be deceived, what's going to follow are a bunch of things that the devil or the world will try to tell you there's nothing wrong with it. But the Bible says it's unrighteous. Can I look at this list? It says, no fornicators. Can we go to the other verse? No idolaters. No adulterers. No homosexuals. And I'm starting to feel the tension in the room. And some of you all are probably saying, go easy. My kids are here. There are young ones in here. And I'm here to tell you guys something. One of the reasons that this world and America is making so much headways with these issues is because sometimes the church remains silent on these issues. And sometimes we think we need to be careful about these issues around our kids. And I'm here to tell you guys that the devil is already teaching your kids about these things. And he's going to tell them whatever he wants about these things. And it's time for us to tell our kids what the Bible says about these things. It's in the Bible. The world will say there's nothing wrong with it. And then the Bible says, hold up, it's unrighteous. Now, I'm not here to condemn anyone of their past. I'm simply here to tell you about the future you can have in Jesus Christ. What does this world say about homosexuality? They say there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, they will tell you, let's celebrate it. In fact, they would even tell you, if you say anything against it, we're going to attack you and bring you down and cancel you. That's what's going on in America. 
And the world will tell those who would want to tell others about what the Bible says, that they are practicing hate speech. And I'm here to tell you guys something. Anyone who encourages you in sin, they are the ones who hate you. Anyone who encourages you in sin, they are the ones who hate you. Those who come to you and tell you what the Bible says, they are extending to you God's love. And this is how deception works. Those who are practicing love are looking like the ones who are extending hate. And those who are telling you to do whatever you want, that's your choice. The world is going to say they are the ones who love. It is one-on-one -on -one deception. It is the definition of deception. And it's taking place right now in America. And I've had it. I've had it. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. When you tell your children, do whatever you want and be whoever you want to be, that's dangerous. Now listen, we have children who are unique. There are qualities about them you're not going to see in other kids. You want to enhance those qualities and make sure they grow up to be an individual and make a mark on this world. That's okay. But when you tell a child to do whatever you want and be whoever you want to be, that's dangerous. Because the Bible says that man's heart is deceitful. It is deceitful. It is desperately wicked. We ought not act on everything that pops into our heart. Oh, trust me on that one. We have to strive to be more and more like Jesus. I didn't come to talk just about that, but the Bible says that fornication is wrong. And if you don't know what fornication is, it is any sexual activity outside of marriage. I don't care what kind of activity it is, if it's outside of marriage, it's wrong. It even talks about adulterers, married folks who can't get themselves out of the buffet line. Get out of the buffet line and be contented with God has given you. I think some of you guys are getting hungry. <laughs> Oh, we need to be, when you said, I do, you also said, I'm done. I want you to look at your, your husband or your wife, if you're seated next to them. Take a good look, uh, because that's it, buddy. That's it. Adulterers, idolaters, idol worship. As a Hindu, that word, that word comes very literal to a Hindu. It's made, it's carved out of stone, it's carved, carved out of wood. Uh, you got idols as tall as this building. Uh, listen, but in America, you've got some idols too. Can I tell you an idol that I see in America? Your politics. I think this is a good time to stop the message, Pastor Rick. You can come back up here. Can you imagine when election day is done with, half of the country is going to be upset. 
And if the elections went the other way, the other half of the country is going to be upset. And we have people in America, listen, don't get me started now. Let me just break it on to you, right? Let me just break it on uh, for you, right? I want to remind you that you serve a God who sits on a throne and his seat will never be up for elections. Uh, he's always going to be the king of kings, the lord of lords, the president of presidents. That's the God we serve. We are just passing through this earth. Your citizenship is not always going to be in the United States. You are a citizen of heaven. We have a president waiting on us. No one's going to take that title from him. Sometimes we think it's about left or right. No, it's about up or down. It's either we're going up or we're going down. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why are we so stressed out with these small things? Another idol in America is money. Now, you need money. Trust me, you need money. Is there anyone you think you don't need money? I want to see your hand because I want to talk to you afterwards. And <laughs> but my father, when, when he got rushed to the hospital, um, uh, he had a brain aneurysm, and he was conducted a funeral for a police officer, and there was a bunch of police officers in the audience, and some cops took my father to a hospital where they think he would be best served. But this was a private hospital. It was a hospital you pay for every single thing. We have public hospitals and private hospitals. And when we got there about 30 minutes after my father reached there, we asked what's going on. And someone told us that nothing was done as yet because no one made a down payment. And let me tell you something. That was probably the most disturbing thing I've ever heard in my life. I was upset. Because sometimes we put someone's outcome behind and we put income in front. Whenever you prioritize your income over someone's outcome, you're in dangerous territory. And I'm here to tell America, don't make your money an idol anymore. It's so interesting that on your money it says, in God we trust. It's so great to put that on your money. It's a reminder every time you see your money, uh, no, 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 we don't trust this. We trust in God. Your forefathers, your founding fathers, they were smart dudes. I'm here to tell you that. Idolatry. It's unrighteous. Can I get that verse again? Uh, the covetous, those who want what someone else has. Uh, my wife borrowed my phone once <laughs> to do something, and she said, Israel, come over here. And I know the good come, and I know the bad come. And that day, it was the bad one. And I went over to my wife, and she was on my phone, and she said, take a look at this. And on my phone, someone was proposing, uh, a guy was proposing to his girlfriend, and he went through the works, and he rented a marry me sign, and someone was playing the violin. It was such a beautiful scene. And my wife looked at me and said, why didn't you propose to me like that? 
And the only thing that came to mind was, the Bible says that we should not covet. <laughs> that wasn't good enough. I needed a rainbow word at that moment, Pastor. <laughs> but listen, sometimes we want what our neighbors have, and we want their house, their car, their wife, their husband. We want their dog. And listen, we just need to realize that if we got Jesus, we have everything that we need. We have everything that we need if we have Jesus in our life. Amen? Now, verse 9 and verse 10, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's a lot to take in. When you look at everything that is mentioned there. But I love verse 11. Can we go to verse 11? Uh, uh, it says this. And such were some of you. This is how some of you were. But... You were washed. I love that. Is there anyone here, you have a past? Let me see those hands. If you have, if you have a past, put those hands up. I'm here to remind you of something. Uh, there is now no condemnation for anyone who is in Jesus Christ. You are washed. You were sanctified. I love it. Let's go. Uh, you are justified. Do you know the meaning of justification? You don't deserve it. But it's yours. The only person that can do that for you is Jesus Christ. You have been justified in the name that is above every other name. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of God, I want to remind you all that we were all in a bad shape. When you come to church, and when you come through those doors, and you see someone seated in those seats, and you know that they have a past, and you know uh, they have done wrong, and you're wondering to yourself, what are they doing in church? I'm here to remind you that the church is the best place for someone like that. And when you come to church and you see someone seated, and you would classify them as a hypocrite, I'm here to tell you that the church is the best place for any hypocrite. You see, a hospital has doctors, nurses, but for a hospital to be successful, there has to be sick people. And if there's no sick people in the hospital, every single hospital is going to close down. When you see sick people in the church, they are exactly where they need to be. If you're looking for a perfect church, if you're looking for perfect people in the church, you're in the wrong place. If you're looking for a perfect church, join the long line. And you know who you're going to find in that line too? Jesus. 
There's no such thing as a perfect church. When you come to church, what you're going to see is a bunch of imperfect people, but we are serving a perfect God. We are serving a perfect God. It is time for us to realize that the church has the saving power of Jesus Christ. And no one should be denied, be denied entry to the church. Sometimes we do it and we don't even know we are doing it. It's time to be the church again. Amen, saints? Give the Lord a round of applause. I thank God for what God has done. In Jesus' name, amen.